Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. I hope you enjoyed that. It's quite fun. And we cut that down by half, really, because there were so many more things um, that were invisible. Um, there's so much we take for granted in our lives, aren't there? Because we've come, become so modernised and used to certain things. And that was just to basically help you in the context of what we're talking about tonight. How we make the invisible uh, visible. Now, last week we talked about lines of separation that we encounter and how we might remove them uh, enable, uh, enabling us to see life in more of a whole, rather compartmentalised. And um, this, what we're covering tonight is, is very interesting because living in a very materialistic world, we become obsessed with what we can see and uh, what we can touch. And if we can't see it, we've concluded that it doesn't matter. And uh, yet, we're questioning tonight what is matter and what isn't um, because to most non-material equates to nothing um, and so we div divide our life into visible and invisible, the real, the unreal but here's the deal, everything we see that is visible actually comes out of what we can't see and that's a massive thing to get your head around um, but we're going to hopefully try to cover a bit of that tonight. We're told in Hebrews 11.3 that everything that is visible was made by that which is not seen. Now that's weird. It's like saying everything that you can see comes from that which you can't. And I know that's a bit odd. And like I say, it comes from the very materialistic uh, way of being because we put so much onus on that which we can see. But it seems that there's two realms that exist. One, the invisible, which we could call potentiality. And the other, the visible, which would, we could call the actuality. So what's invisible is potential. Because in it, there's a power there that's just waiting to erupt. And then there's what is visible, which is actually what has erupted, if you want to put it in those uh, ways. So, uh, if in what we can't see lies the raw material for everything that we do see, the question we need to ask tonight is how we turn these potentialities into actualities and how do we do that? Now, it's actually with our thoughts. Now, just hang with me here because our thoughts are more connected to the invisible realm than the, the, the visible realm. Our thoughts are what literally determine what can be. Now, if we look at what is said in the Bible right in the beginning, it says, in the beginning, before anything was visible, 
everything was in this state of invisibility, but which was a potentiality just waiting for something to bring it into being. Quite amazing, really. And God creates the world out of this formless potential. How? By his thoughts and by his word, by speaking it into being. And if we're created in his image, surely we must carry the same ability as a pattern of how things work in the whole universe. Now that's staggering and some of us need to stop and think and ask, am I ready to go this journey? Because it puts great responsibility on our shoulders. So here's the thing. Everything that you can see started as a simple idea. An idea that grew and as it was expressed until it grew enough into a physical object through a number of steps. Now an example, and, and, and some of you will get this, some of you won't, so don't worry about it. But most of you have heard the phrase that you were at one time a twinkle in your daddy's eye. Come on, who's heard that? We've heard it. And what does that actually mean? It just means that it's pointing the fact that you, in all your present glory, began as just an idea and steps were taken in order to go from the potential to the actuality. Now, if we put it like that, you can say exactly what we're talking about tonight. And it's not as mind-blowing as you think, because we are all here, and at one point, we didn't exist. Do you get me? So it's quite fantastic. So, so the energy of thought is critical. We must manage this energy in our minds well, because you will sink to the level of your thinking and you will cr create your own reality. We are told that we have 70,000 thoughts a day, but only 5% of which are actually new. Oh, that's scary, isn't it? 95% of our thoughts, we are regurgitating. I don't like the word regurgitating because all I can think of is vomit. You get me? you know, vomiting. But that's what it's trying to say. 95% of the thoughts you think every day are just regurgitated and creating the same old, same old, same old, same old. So we self-sabotage our lives by not managing our minds correctly. Our thoughts will always create something and thoughts create judgments Judgments create decisions. It really does matter what we believe about everything and anything. So what, do, what future do you want? We have been told that faith makes visible the invisible. And maybe it's time to redefine the word faith. Now we've seen this as a list of things that we believe in order to belong to an institution or a group, you know, this is my Christian faith or my Buddhist belief or what have you. But maybe faith is more of the conscious awareness that I have the power to bring the invisible into being 
by what I give my attention to most. Most of of us have no understanding of our inner potential and therefore do nothing about it or with it. If that's the case, our lives become what we have imagined and believed the most. Maybe that's what Jesus meant when he said those words, oh, you of little faith. Think about it. So if faith without works is dead, then an idea without action doesn't materialize. So what idea are you putting your energy into? Every day you wake up to a new day, it can take you in any direction. What will your choice do to transform the potential into one actuality or another? It will materialize and once materialized, it can be very difficult to get rid of. So let's create what we really want. Now, a helpful illustration is from the art world. And I know that for me, that I've got things in my house that are taking up space only because I created them. So in just reality stuff, because they didn't exist before, but I had an idea and they came into being. And uh, one stands in awe of what can be created just from an idea. So are you ready for this? Great stuff. Thank you. I think one of the greatest um, bad legacies of a post-Christian society, which we are, is the tendency to believe that the seen and the unseen are two different worlds. That somehow we can separate them or even claim that one does not exist, i.e. if I can't see it, it doesn't exist. And uh, the truth is they do exist and they are not separated. I, I have, I have to be honest on reflection, lived an extremely blessed life. And um, probably the greatest influence on that blessed life has been, and I don't say this because I'm particularly capable and able, but where I have had the ability or the will or the desire to allow the unseen to become at least equal as the seen and probably greater than the seen, to find that that which would have been unseen has become a reality. I have realised more and more that uh, Jesus understood quantum physics. And uh, if you would take the time just to get the dummies version of quantum physics, and that is not putting you down, that's saying pretty much all of us in here can just about handle quantum physics for dummies, Okay. But if you were to, if you were to um, make some little study of that, you would realize that many of the statements of Jesus only really make full sense when you put them in the parameters of now what we now understand as, as quantum physics. So when Jesus said all things are possible to him who believes, he was meaning the impossible, that which can only be imagined and conceived as not currently being present or matter is possible. Now, now, I've also heard some nonsense talked about 
careers, you know, you can be anything you want to be. Well, I think the truth is you can. All things are possible to him that believes, but the truth is you shouldn't necessarily be all the things that you would like to be. You might want to be a doctor, but if you're going to be a rubbish doctor, it's possible for you to be a doctor, but we, the patient public, would rather you didn't, okay? So within that wisdom, all things are possible, but not all things are necessary, but there is a realm and a dimension that if we do not appreciate coexist, you will miss the greater impact and impartation upon life. Now, I'm not just talking about the ability to understand the Bible. I am talking about my financial condition has been affected. My physical condition has been affected. My career has been affected. My family has been affected. Everything has been affected by where I was able to connect with the unseen coming into the scene. Other words, I can tell you, I would not be here today for many reasons and would not have survived and many things in our life would not have survived. But we have seen what, what the terminology some would use is many miracles occur in our life, but they occur when you realize the coexistence between the seen and the unseen. Now, one could also argue, if you understand uh, um, quantum physics for dummies, that miracles in essence are not really miracles because they are just a manifestation of what already exists, but we actually bring the unseen into the scene. Again, you can understand so much about faith and God if you read the dummies version of quantum physics. See, the potential for all that we see resides in the invisible. The one thing the quantum physicists will tell you, Chris quoted it earlier, is that the universe is full of, they call it potentiality. Jesus called it possibility. And, and for everything in life, every arena of life, every aspect of our well-being, physical, mental, emotional, emotional, social, social, there is potential and possibility that is actually surrounding you and about you and within you and waiting to be activated. So the question is, how do we engage with and embrace the potential so that it becomes form? Because if the potential doesn't become form, it's no thing. It's nothing. It's no thing. So I can talk potential to you. I, I know all the tricks of the trade in my business to make you really excited and leave here absolutely pumped up. But you see, I, I don't do that because if all you have is an excitement about the potential, but the potential does not become form, does not become matter, then all you've gone away with is the same thing. I could achieve the same result by us all coming in here and me breaking out some single malt scotch. I could, I could achieve the same result by all of us coming in here and smoking two or three spliffs before we leave. I can achieve the same result. I can fill us with hope and potential and possibility. But you see, unless that materializes, unless you realize that the spiritual matters, right? Not just as a concept, but the spiritual matters becomes material when we grasp this, then it's of no use to you, but I want it to be of use to you. Now, in that context, again, and just building on what Chris says, it matters what we believe about anything and everything. There's one of the secrets. It matters what we believe about anything and everything. There's the root of some of your successes, and there's the root of all your failures, all my failures. It matters... Now, I could also play on the words and say it becomes matter, right? 
and then it matters, it becomes matter, it materialises what we believe about anything and everything. Now this is good Bible and I haven't even given you a verse yet. Belief is the single most defining influence on who we become and how we decide anything. Belief. That's the, that's the single most defining influence that is so important. So, how is belief formed? Where is belief from? Where is belief formed? Is all belief true? Does all belief bring something into being? Those are the questions we're wrestling with tonight. truth we've all got to get a hold of is that everything started with an idea. That what Chris quoted earlier from the book of Hebrews about, um, uh, sorry, from the book of, uh, yeah, from Hebrews chapter 12, that, that everything we see came out of what we can't see, which means that everything actually originated from an idea and therefore still originates from an idea or a thought or an imagination. And um, I think on on a domestic perspective, um, when we pour less finances into the arts and more and more finances into academia we actually begin to steer our culture the wrong direction because what we do is we say that ideas and thoughts and imaginations are not the important thing. What the important thing is, is knowledge. But knowledge is not wisdom. And as I often like to quote, we have too many people who are educated beyond their intelligence. Because intelligence does not come with education. Only knowledge comes with education. So, so, so this idea, this thought, this imagination that, you know, I like to say about God, God is not only creator, as I believe, but he is also creative, which is why the earth is so beautiful, which is why the things that we see have such form and such personality because of the creative imagination. So, so it all starts as an idea, a thought, an imagination. It, it comes out of a what if... A why not? And I can. And I will. And let there be. Now we've heard that before somewhere. The let there be, it comes out of a, a let there be, a working out that which is, is contained within. And I believe that this statement of wisdom and understanding of the ancients that, that is written in Scripture proposes a word which cannot be seen becomes that which can. See, the point of the first chapter of Genesis has got absolutely zero to do with whether the earth was physically made in seven literal 24-hour periods. It's got nothing to do with that. And in fact, the first statement of Genesis is not nothing to do with the second statement. The first statement is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it gives you that. Then it begins to give you some description about, about the spiritual realities of why things came into being and what is the purpose within them. But in that initial statement, there is a wisdom that is proposing to us that a word which cannot be seen becomes that which can. Now, if that is true... If that is true, 
We have to think, what am I saying? What have I said? What am I going to say? Now, I've often said to you, and I use this just as an illustration, as a little aside, that words are so powerful that for most of us, the greatest strength we have ever gleaned has come from what? Words that were spoken to us. The greatest pains we have ever felt have come from what? Words that were spoken to us. The greatest, the greatest destruction that we experience in our lives are words that we speak to ourselves. And where do those mind words originate? In the mind, in the thoughts, in the imagination. So what we are and what we become originates in the mind, in the thought, in the imagination, which becomes words spoken or unspoken. But then those words which can't be seen become that which can. We have been given a great deal of power over the direction of our existence and our humanity. The story of Michelangelo's David is an absolute godsend to preachers. But its lessons go way beyond. See, in that issue of Michelangelo, he was seeing the unseen as if it were already seen and then setting it free from the stone. So Michelangelo believed... Not that he made a David and he just happened to carve it from stone. Michelangelo believed that David was always in the stone. And when he was given the marble, even though I love the whole thing that it was previously, you know, discarded, it was not used, and he was given a previously used... We're all a little bit used by life. We've all, you know, got some flaws in us. We all weren't finished. Somebody let us down somewhere. But what David could see in that piece of marble, he could see more than just a piece of marble. See, and I see more than just an Angela or a Sarah or a Chris or a Jenny. God sees more than an Angela or a Stuart or a Chris or a Jenny, or a Steve, or a Ruth. He sees more than that. He sees within that there is an image, and the whole context of the spiritual is about setting that free from within the marble, chipping away everything that doesn't look like David is another phrase of that. But you see, you sometimes don't realise what is within you because your thought and imagination has been, an idea has been, it, it's been, it's been corrupted and it's been diluted by your fears and your doubts and your scepticism and your cynicism. And while ever fear, doubt, scepticism and cynicism exist, rather than faith, love and hope, you will never be able to allow those ideas to release to say that, okay, at this moment, this is an unfinished thing, but within there is an image that cannot be seen, that could be seen, if it's released, and I understand that's coming. So in the thought, the mind, the heart, the words, we have to accept that. So I cannot overemphasize the role of the mind, your mind in the process of creation. You don't get a pass, you don't get a buy. It's not somebody else's fault. Ultimately, others have done things and it is their fault what they have done and they're not pleasant and they're not nice and those things have affected. But ultimately, what comes out of that is about my mind and it's about my thoughts and redirecting the role of my mind in the process of creation. 
See, God is more mind than matter. One of the problems that we have done, because we've talked about he, God, and got the white-bearded man on the throne, we're unable to relate to that, that real power of the invisible. So we make him physical, and then, we, then what we do is we separate the spiritual and the natural, and we put him in heaven, and we put us on earth, and then we have all kinds of problems. But you see, the Bible says God is spirit. Another word for spirit is mind, thought, imagination, idea. God is spirit. And those who get a hold of this, let that spirit touch our spirit. So his ideas and our ideas begin to tell us who we truly are. Then we can start to set David free from the stone. That's the process of creation. God is more mind than matter. Mind is the root source of all transformation, Paul tells us. He says, therefore be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The mind is the root source of all transformation. And if it takes a clip from Peter Pan to illustrate it, then so be it. Perfect song to describe what we're talking about. Um, hope some of you weren't offended by what you might think some naughty words in Peter Pan. It is a kid's film. We just wanted to get across the point that until he could lose himself into the reality of who he was, and yet who the real who he was was more fed out of his imagination and his thought and his idea than the reality of his humanity, he couldn't see all that was put before him. I think sometimes, you know, when we read Bible in the ancient text, we don't realise what was going through the mind of these people, you know. Uh, a guy called King David who wrote Psalm 23, which is the most known psalm of people in church or out of church, the Lord is my shepherd, said, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Same thing. Same thing. What he could see, what he could see in his mind, what he could imagine, what, what his perspective was, was he had enemies, but there was a table prepared in the presence of his enemies. And uh, actually, David got into that hurling abuse across the table thing quite often if you bother to read the Psalms, but that's another story altogether because that was his humanity. So once thought becomes created and visible or material, it's difficult to dispose of. Now, now don't go all negative on me because that's both good and bad. Once it becomes visible and material, it's difficult to dispose of. It becomes a reality that, that we who were raised in church call a testimony, right? Let me tell you about what became created and visible and material. This is a, a testimony of miracle. I, I think we'll continue these thoughts on Wednesday night just to share some deeper stuff on this, but, but not time to share all that tonight. But, but we should be mindful of that which we create because it matters. It becomes matter. Now, we don't uncreate with our if only, not, can't, won't. See, we don't uncreate with that. We simply create another world in which we must then live and which we must then survive. So therefore, it's much better to come in your idea and say, what if? Why not? I can. I will. Let there be. Because you're not going to uncreate your world. You're just going to create another world. So we've been given biblically, spiritually, and through God what we need to do in order to make that world what it needs to be. Now, I also put here, uh, um, don't create that 
which will not readily decompose. Protect the spiritual environment in which you live. One of the problems with religious structures is that we have, in essence, if I might use a modern terminology, we've taken truth and we've served it in plastic bottles and plastic wrapping. So it's a good preserver and it allows you to see the product, but it's heck difficult to try and get rid of. And that's why we have a problem because we have religious ideas that are like plastic bottles to the stuff that's inside. We can't get rid of the ideas then, they don't decompose. And the oceans of our thinking become clogged with the, with the undecomposable nonsense that we have brought because we, we just put it in the wrong thing. We've got to have a heart and spirit that recomposes the packaging but he's willing to keep the idea and let it flow and change and work within us. If you replace fear, cynicism and scepticism with faith, hope and love, you will reap the rewards as you tap into the potential for good and not harm. So come on, you got this. You got this. You can do this. It's been made available to you. In fact, Paul says this, you have the mind of Christ. Whose mind have you got? You have the mind of Christ. All these ideas and imaginations and thoughts that brought everything into being in the beginning are actually in you and within you and inside of you, just waiting for that to go boom. So the 98% of your brain that you do not use which is scientific reality, is the bit that's so full of the God part, the God thought, the God spirit that wants to break out and let those ideas show to you who you really are if only you would begin to let your mind do that. See, see, we're aware of hearing, seeing, feeling, tasting, smelling in what we call our natural senses, every one of us. And those senses are acute and some senses are more acute than others. Do not have a a stinky dishcloth in your house if I come in your house because I'll know the moment I walk through the door. I am ultra sensitive to mold smells. So I might need to take it. Oh, do you want to know the answer to that? Put some water in, squeeze it, two minutes in the microwave, Bob's your uncle. Smells like a clean baby. There's an idea for you. It's brilliant. But don't put your baby in the microwave to clean your baby, Okay. Just put the cloth in the microwave. It works a treat. What I'm trying to say is that we all, we're all hearing, seeing, feeling, tasting, smelling, which are the five senses we call our natural senses, which are always switched on. They're always switched on. We don't think, oh, I better smell today, or I better see today, or I better hear today, or I better feel today, or I better taste today. We keep them always switched on, but that's the problem. What about our supernatural? What about our spiritual senses? They're waiting to be switched on just the same, so that just as you naturally see, hear, smell, taste and feel in the natural, you see, hear, smell, taste and feel in the spiritual so that the two worlds become one. Everything becomes one and it begins to flow and there's creative energy and power. That's why we are one in Christ Jesus. That's why he made us one with the Father because that's what's supposed to flow. Now you say, oh, I can't do that. You only can't do it because you're not choosing to do it because in your mind you won't think, do you know what? If I'm 
made in the image of God, in his likeness and in his image, and if he is spirit, and that spirit is mind and thought, and that mind and thought said, let there be, then that same mind is in me. So Paul even says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He wants you to have the Christ mind, because what starts to flow then is the fusion of these two things, the seen and the unseen, the visible and the invisible, to realise that there is no such thing. It's all one. It's just a matter of perception. But that's the dimension that we're called to live in. There's something about the Christ mystery, which according to Paul, if you dive into it, it will make you a completely new person because it reconciles us with who we truly are. And that's when we see David in the stone. And that's when we can go about setting him free. This is how Paul put it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new is come. That's Paul's effort to speak to you and I to say, listen, there's something in this mystery. If you will dive in, it will make you a completely new person because you are now reconnecting with all that spiritual sensitivity that is already within you because David's already in there. The mind of Christ is already in there. The imagination's already in there. The idea's already in there. The sense, the feeling, the word is already in there. But when we can get away from in our minds saying, no, it isn't, I can't, it won't, it doesn't, and start realizing, like God said in the beginning, into all of that, he said, let there be. And it says, and there was. And I believe there's a state of wasness that we need to come into. And what we all, you know, Pentecostals call the testimony. It's a wasness that says, this wasn't there, you couldn't see it, but this is my story. It was words, but it became matter and it became reality. So let's just for one moment, just quiet your spirit. Just, just. See, this, this doesn't happen by me praying for you. It happens by a willingness within you. It happens by something within you latching on and saying, hey, if I have these five senses that are switched on all the time in me that only connect me to the natural, and I know that the spiritual is reality because even quantum physics is telling me that most of the universe is the invisible, the unseen, it's full of potentiality, then surely I can switch on the spiritual sensitivity. If we engage with the fact that God has done the hard work and says, if any man is in Christ, that's a thing of receiving. Okay, what does that mean? What's the explanation of it? Well, the explanation of it is not what helps. It's the acceptance of it that helps. It says, whatever this thing is, I love what the guy said there at, uh, on, on the film. He said, you think we know what electricity is? Nobody knows what electricity is. We just know how to make it. Nobody knows what it is. And we know what to do with it. And what do we do with it? You stick a plug in a socket. How many of you can give me all the scientific reasoning behind electricity and refuse to put the plug in the socket before you can define it and give me the mathem mathematical equation for the electricity that's about to flow through the appliance? How many of you do that? But you'll sit in here every week and say, oh, if I don't understand, if you don't explain this to me, if I don't really know, how can I do that? But every day of your life in the seen world, you are doing stuff that you trust. This is going to work. I don't understand it. But if I stick this plug in that socket, this will work. Well, I'm telling you the same, that if you put the Christ plug into the God socket 
and you'll be connected to that. It will work and something will flow. It's called faith. It's called belief. Remember, what we believe affects our life. And if you will believe today that as you connect and receive this, that something will flow. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new person. The old has gone, the new has come. I want the old to go, the new to come, and you to be released into the fusion of these two worlds today so that you can feel the full blessing and the full power of it. And I pray you'll receive it tonight in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.